Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington. We're starting to enter the height of the political season, so today we're going to talk about what's going on in, uh, on the political scene in South Central Indiana. Uh, Mary Catherine couldn't be here with us today, but I have three, uh, what I'm calling co-hosts with me. Chuck Carney is here. Chuck, of course, is the news director of WTIU, WFIU's uh, sister television station. John Harmon is a, an occasional visitor with us. John is the editor of the Columbus Republic and first-time guest on the show, uh, Stephanie Salter is here. Stephanie is assistant editor for opinion and commentary and a columnist at the Terre Haute Tribune Star. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 from Columbus, Terre Haute, or anyplace else outside of the Bloomington area. And you can send your email to us at noon at indiana.edu. Chuck, John, Stephanie, thanks for joining us. Sure. Nice to be here. All right. Great to, great to have you all. All right. The first question I'm throwing out is uh, pretty open-ended, and uh, I think I want to start with, with Stephanie and then go to John, and then we'll, we'll come back to Chuck and maybe talk about Bloomington uh, a little bit. Uh, what's driving this election? What's driving the 2006 election in your area? Stephanie? Well, I think, you know, it, again, it depends on the race, whether you're talking about something local like prosecutor or the congressional um, uh, election. But I think we are experiencing what a, a lot of folks are. There is a long, long coattails, uh, for better or worse, from the White House. Um, uh, Congressman Hostetler says everywhere he goes, what he hears people uh, want to talk about is immigration. Um, and uh, I think the two things that are, are on minds of people here are the war in Iraq and also, um, finally, maybe, um, oil dependency. Um, that just because the price of gas has gone down, it uh, seems like everybody's um, enlightened enough to know this isn't going to last. So mm-hmm. uh, the, what are we going to do about that? Because that so directly affects everybody's pocketbook. Okay. Now, I might mention that... Uh Stephanie and, and Tara Hoder in the eighth district, so that's a very close race. One of the one of the targeted races around the country. Of course, Chuck and I are here in the the ninth congressional district, and John, you're also, also well. We're the, half and half. Yeah, we half. have the the ninth, and then the sixth with uh, Mike Mike Pence is the incumbent. Yeah, I, so I assume he's safe. Yeah, he's uh, going against a, a guy that's run run for state office, Barry Welch. He's from. Uh, Laurel, Indiana, and, but there's it's been very very quiet. Uh, yeah. The other, of course, is as you know, uh-huh. is not been quiet. <laughs> right. so, uh, as, so as we get into congressional races, we'll be talking about the eighth and ninth. Monroe's also in part of the fourth. Um, and yeah, that, and, I'd have to say that that's the driving force, yeah. uh-huh. if only because we have half the staff out. Uh, up at Atterbury, and and Franklin has half of its staff up there too, covering. <laughs> The vice president, ah, who, okay. incredibly enough, is in the area uh, saluting troops and swearing in some new people. Um, uh, Representative Sidrell was not there, uh, but all, most of the other, uh, at least the GOP dignitaries in the state were, were up there. But uh, it's a major, uh, you know, a major event, and we've heard we're trying to nail down uh We've heard that the first lady, Laura Bush, might be coming into town Wednesday. Uh-huh. Yeah, the, the national parties are certainly not uh, skimping on bringing dignitaries into this area to try to swing votes in the ninth, and, and I assume in the eighth, Stephanie. Uh, actually, we haven't. I don't think we've seen it as much, and that might be, you know, uh, partly due to uh, uh, Hostetler's um, kind of maverick uh, yeah. uh, march to my own drummer um, uh, thing. That uh, that he's done okay. uh, since he was elected. Yeah. Okay. Chuck, how about uh, how about around here? Well, th- that being said, kind of touching on the last point, I, I was in Indianapolis on Monday for uh, the news conference after this uh, closed door fundraiser that uh, had Barack Obama, the star of stars, uh, here uh, for uh, fundraising for the uh, the second, the eighth, and the ninth district uh, Democratic candidates. Uh, so there is some some of that uh, and. The, the national parties are bringing them in. But as far as the issues that are driving it, I think clearly in Bloomington, the Iraq war is uh, is a big thing. Uh, but oddly enough, uh, in the ninth District race, you haven't heard that as a front and center issue all that much. Even in the debate that, that we hosted here uh, a while back at the end of August – 
the Iraq war was mentioned, but it wasn't the front and center issue. But that is always the rumbling that you get uh, on everything. Uh, and, and it's all – it seems to come back to an issue of leadership. Uh, I think that what is troubling the, the Republicans nationally and I think trickles down to these local races is they feel like uh, the leadership that's coming from the White House is directing the Congress in, in the wrong way. And they – because the White House has taken such powerful steps to be powerful uh, and has really taken the power of Congress down a notch, um, they feel like that's where it's controlled. So that's, that is a big problem for the Republicans running uh, in the ninth and 8th. Uh, Stephanie, it was interesting for me to hear you say that, uh, that Hostetler is talking a lot about immigration because I'd say that in what I've heard from Baron Hill and Mike Sodrell is uh, in these uh, you know, they have a lot of issues, even though a lot of the time has been spent in this campaign talking about advertising and truthfulness and, mm-hmm. and whether they're going to debate or not debate. But they do have positions on issues. And it seems to me that, that Mike Sodrell is also talking a, a, a lot about immigration. That's one of – that must be – I mean that's one of his key issues. Baron Hill, on the other hand, seems to focus a lot more on energy policy. Uh, they both talk about Iraq and then health care issues, which they both – Talk a lot about and have uh, different points of view about how to how to arrive at those things. Right, I think, and I mean, I can't. We haven't done you know sort of polls um, asking what are your top issues on these things. I can mm-hmm. go by the letters to the editor. Sure, they don't they don't necessarily uh, they're not in line with with Hostetler's um, uh, perspective of of the immigration. Uh, but again, that may be also having to do with uh, Terre Haute and Vigo County as opposed to some of the more rural areas that he represents. Yeah, I want to follow up with two questions, but I want to give our phone numbers again. 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. That would include Columbus and Terre Haute. And you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. We have uh, – there are four of us here today. We're talking about politics. Chuck Carney, WTIU's news director. John Harmon, editor of the Columbus Republic. And Stephanie Salter, assistant editor for opinion and commentary. And he, she's also a columnist at the Terre Haute Tribune Star. Um, I want to ask a, a specific question and then sort of a general question for us all to sort of talk about. One is, is the congressional ethics issue the Foley issue? Has that – do you think that's having any kind of an impact uh, on the local scene? And then the second more broad question is um, we've all covered elections before. And I just want to sort of put this you know, national um, sort of imp- national um, what blanket on, on our local elections in perspective. I mean is this different than what we've seen in the past? So John, how about the congressional ethics thing? Uh, didn't didn't uh, I don't think it had a major impact. Uh, Baron Hill really jumped on it and uh, called for some credibility in the resignation of Hastert. Uh, Pence and Sodrell uh, basically you know, closed closed a circle, called it despicable, and and uh, you know wanted wanted quick, swift action. But it doesn't appear. I, I could be wrong. This doesn't appear to be a, a major issue for them. Mm-hmm. Stephanie? Um, you know, I think it's, again, it's perception. Uh, to me, it's sort of like it's a, it's not, it's, with Foley comes Nay, comes Cunningham, comes anybody who, you know, had lunch with Abramoff. And so that this is sort of like one more body on the pile, and the pile is piling. And so that I think that there's a, uh, I think that dyed-in-the-wool uh, Republicans who, who are uh, nothing in the world is going to sway them um, uh, aren't going to be moved by this. This is it's gleeful news for anybody who's a Democrat. And then again, those folks in between that there really are in between, which way do they lean? I don't think this uh, any of this stuff has helped. Um, I, I don't think it's going to cause huge 180 degree turns on people's parts, but the, it it adds to this perception that I think you were alluding to earlier about um, leadership. Um, it, it starts in Iraq, but it also so it's like, and the the latest book from uh, the former deputy uh, chief of the uh, faith-based and community initiatives that says, you know, in the White House, the evangelicals got big hugs and then they were made fun of behind their back, no money. 
just one more thing on this pile that that says, hmm, are we are we doing such a great job here? Okay, Chuck. Well, it's it's funny, and this is going to call back on. Uh, I I'm. Um, uh, probably a frustrated political science student. Uh, I'm not as good as I or as knowledgeable as I'd like to be. But these are historical cycles. Uh, you know, basically everything builds upon everything else. The Democrats had the same thing that happened that uh, led to some of the '94 things. Going back, starting with Bob Wright, the Speaker of the House, who was involved in the the book scandal. Uh, you know, the when I heard this about this new book about the evangelicals in the White House, it reminded me exactly of something that Chuck Colson said in the 70s uh, because he, he is still an evangelical uh, uh, Republican, uh, but he said the same thing about the Nixon White House. Uh, these things happen all over again, and it seems that there's a cumulative effect on the ones that are in power at a time, which is one of the reasons why it shifts every once in a while, it seems like. Mm -hmm. All right. Hold your thoughts on that second question because we have a couple of phone callers, so we're going to get them in first. And our first call is from Adrian. Adrian? Hello. Yes, I'm on. Yep. Um, One comment, I heard you say that in Hitler's race that the Iraq war was not much of an issue. And I think um, that's probably because he voted against the war. So the you know, his challenger can't really raise that as much of an issue. He's one of the, uh, I think, three Republicans in the House that voted against something like that, if I remember right. Stephanie? Yeah, no, he was. And I've, actually, I've written a column about how his speech, if you read the speech that he gave to the to the House on the day he uh, voted against it, explaining why um, he sounds like an absolute prophet. I mean, he, he called it and all of the reasons why this was not, not good enough to give, uh, give the president carte blanche. And um, if I said that it wasn't a big one, I, I must have misspoken. I said that he said immigration is bigger, but no, it's very big, uh, along with, as I said, oil dependency, um, perhaps immigration in the rural areas. Iraq, Iraq is huge here because um, our kids are going. We just had a, a Marine uh, from a unit here killed um, uh, over in Iraq. So, um, no, it is very big. But, yeah, that, that um, Hostetler did definitely distinguish himself and, you know, uh, in retrospect, in a very um, intelligent way when he voted against it, one of the few who voted against it. Well, and let me say this, because I think I was the one who who may have insinuated that it wasn't as big an issue in in both of these races. And and I should say, too, that it is a huge issue. Everyone's talking about it and thinking about it, and it permeates everything because it goes to everything, you know, the the budget deficit, uh, what other policies uh, stateside are not being uh, done. Uh, But, yeah, the Hostetler situation, because he voted against it, uh, has one effect. And then in the race here in the 9th District, you have Baron Hill, who voted for it. And so, effectively, that's taken it off of the front burner as to debating whether or not their votes were were correct or not, because uh, you're not going to have Brad Ellsworth say, well, you know, you should have voted for the war. And you're not going to have Mike Sodrell say, well, you know, you should have voted against the war. You're not going to have that crossing of, of party lines. So effectively, it's taken it off of the active discussion in that regard. And, and you don't have that in these two races. That's that's what I, I kind of thought when we had the debate here, that you never had that kind of discussion between Hill and Sodrell uh, because they, neither one of them were going to get into that kind of food fight. However, you know, Sodrell will say, you know, Hill can't talk about this because he voted for for it. And Hill does talk about it because mm-hmm. he says He says he it's lied. a mistake. He yeah. said it was a mistake because, and he, it was based well, on lies. Well, they got bad so. information. Yeah. 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 So he says lies. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, lies. Let's, go to, let's go to Peggy next. Peggy? Hello. Um, Hi, Peggy. Hi. Um, I'm with the League of Women Voters in Vigor County, and we did a, a district-wide debate for the candidates, Hostetler and Ellsworth, um, in Vincennes um, on October the 4th. One of the things that I did is I sent out a, a survey of people in the Terre Haute area to find out what issues that they were concerned about, and I got about 50 responses, both through email and through telephone. And I was really surprised that immigration was such a big issue. I think the Iraq War was probably second to immigration. So I just wanted to share that with you. Yeah, I know the paper didn't do a, um, a, you know, a survey on that, but I was really surprised. And it was about 50-50, people wanting to have a more lenient policy or a 
kind of an amnesty type policy. And then on the other hand, um, you know, people just say, you know, send them all out of the country if they're illegal. You know, they've broken the law and they need and they need to go. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it was interesting. Was, it, was that the debate I, I watched later on C-SPAN? Yes. Yeah. No, we, yeah. And we carried and, it on WTIU as well. Yes, yeah. you did. Plus, yeah. you know, both that's, these... that's really good. I, I appreciate the information, Peggy, yeah. and, and uh, the, the league really did a terrific job on, on just making that thing happen, which wasn't the easiest thing in the world. No, right. you know, we had the same experience here. I mean, the debate, the, the debates are difficult to put together. And, uh, and it, it was interesting for me to see that both, you know, the debate here between Hill and Sodrell and the debate that you had between Ellsworth and Hostetler were replayed on C-SPAN. So, because, you know, these are big races. Mm-hmm. I'd like to insert an unpaid political uh, non-advertisement <laughs> here. For the, I watched, also watched the District 9 uh, uh, debate and uh, that you had, what was that? So a couple months ago, it was ago, in but, late August, August 31st. Uh, yeah. Eric Schonsberg, I thought, was was did a did a really substantial job on that, and uh, is eminently qualified uh, from what I've seen over the years as, as far as a congressman. He's he just did a very fine job, and and goodness, he's a political scientist of all things. He yes. might know what he's talking about. You know, John, I really appreciate you bringing that up because sometimes we do forget the libertarian candidate, and he he did, I thought, uh, do very well in that debate. Well, I, I recall specifically where they were arguing that was back when the, not that that doesn't happen frequently, but the gas prices spiked and <laughs> Barron's calling for controls and and uh, Sodrell's opposed to that and and Schonsberg said, well, let's talk about something like health care and let the market take care of that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it was very pretty common sense stuff. Right. Okay. Also, yeah. uh, Pence, it should be. We were talking earlier about bucking the. Uh, the trends are not going along with the, the the flow. Pence has really been really way up front on the immigration issue. Uh, he and uh, Senator Hutchinson uh, have have uh, composed their uh, a plan that's been uh, I don't know it's been being batted around. Uh, really uh, tough on the border patrol and no amnesty, but and it's it's been somewhat at odds with the administration. Mm-hmm. Okay, our phone numbers again, 855-0811-877-285-9348, outside of the Bloomington calling area. And the email address is noon at indiana.edu. Again, uh, our, our guest today, Chuck Carney, WTIU's news director, John Harmon, editor of the Columbus Republic, and Stephanie Salter, assistant editor for opinion and commentary, and a columnist at the Terre Haute Tribune Star. We're just talking about uh, politics in South Central Indiana. So if you have questions or comments, please uh, join us. I want to go back to that uh, more general, broader question that I tossed out there. Uh, and I guess I'll just offer my uh, observation first. I just, I, I, I just feel like, of course, local the local races. You know, there there are a lot of issues in those too. But this sense uh, around here seems to be, you know, what's going to happen with the Hill Sodrell race? What's going to happen to the House nationally? What's going to happen to the Senate nationally? You know, are the Democrats going to have a big year? It just seems like there's an awful lot more discussion of of national politics this year than in any year that I can remember. Now, presidential years are different, but any off-year election that I can remember. John? Well, we just happen to have State Senate District 41 here, uh, along with Johnson County. And uh, the the long, long long-time bastion of Bob Garten, who has... We remember was upset by uh, Greg Walker in the in the primary. So, it's uh, we've had we've had several debates. We have three candidates running for that. Uh, Greg, of course, uh, Terry Corden, who's an, a longtime attorney here in Columbus, and then Ken Gibbon, who uh, real inside po- uh, politicos will recall ran for governor. Right, and uh, the libertarian, correct? Yeah, right. Yeah. And then he, he also ran for a school board here. So that's kind of livened up uh headed our our local ticket uh it's uh it's interesting to when they've when they've gotten together it's they, there was a couple of debates earlier one at franklin college and at iupc it was like there was walker and cord and Givenden, but there really should have been another uh rostrum up there for for garten because <laughs> a, lot <of> the, <laughs> a lot of the discussion was centered upon his impact and who how they were going to replace him and, and that type of thing it was 
a little eerie in a way. Yeah. So, Bob, if I can yeah. just jump in a second, because sure. listening to what you were talking about, I think that if you just look at the advertising uh, again here in the eighth, this whole it it you would you would know immediately that this was about what was going on in Washington, at least as much if not more than here. Um, all the stuff that came out from the congressional uh, Republican congressional committee. Uh, was all about Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton and Ted Kennedy. Um, it's it you nowhere was uh, there even a mention of Hostetler. And I know this was this is also being done in North Carolina, in a congressional race there, and in uh, a few other states where uh, the uh, the GOP has has chosen to make the specter of Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House uh, one of the biggest things they're they're running their um, congressional candidates on, and so I think that in itself is evidence of what you were talking about, that this this has this just na- national tilt toward the D.C. Yeah. Chuck? Well, I'll tell you, too, the one, one thing I wanted to mention uh, during this hour is that uh, the attention that the 8th and 9th are getting, uh, I mean, you have seen in recent weeks, uh, CNN's done a couple stories about uh, the uh, the Hill-Sodrell campaign, uh, particularly how the Hill campaign jumped on the Foley uh, situation right away with uh, advertising. But one of the ways that uh, this is getting national attention, there is actually a documentary film uh, that's being produced by a crew out of Los Angeles, and they were here the night we did the debate. Uh, and, and I have some insight into this because I've just uh, helped them some on, on some of the local uh, video and sound. Uh, but they are producing a film that apparently they're saying is now going to feature the ninth very heavily and the eighth fairly heavily, but particularly the ninth. And uh, the documentary is following uh, races across the country. Uh, you mentioned North Carolina where Heath Shuler is a candidate, the former uh, pro and college quarterback. Uh, and that's one that they're following uh, and uh, the, several others. But they say that the most interesting one is this one in the ninth district. And it is so close. And it has a lot of things that uh, that are featured in a lot of the races across the country. Uh, and in fact, uh, we're still working on trying to, to narrow uh, to nail this down. But on election night, we may have a short version of that film to show uh, on WTIU. The details still being worked out. But uh, look for that in the weeks to come, and you'll get to see the perspective somebody uh, from the outside coming in has on this uh, and, and how it compares to some of the races around the nation. And, and I think you'll find that it's uh, it, it's uh, pretty comparable, uh, yet even more intense. They were actually a, a here in... line presentation? It's, 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 not, <clears throat> it's not frontline. It's, it's, it will be distributed nationally depending on how many stations they clear it. The, the, pr- the producer is actually an Academy Award-winning uh, wow. documentary producer, and they've sent yeah these troops out all over. They were here uh, filming for the same documentary mm-hmm. over Labor yeah, Day, right? Uh, they're, uh, out but, of Los Angeles. And, yeah, that's, it's uh, it's pretty impressive uh, crew. It should be fascinating. Okay, we've got uh, just a, enough time before the break that we take one more phone call. So let's go to Don. Don. Yeah. Hi. Real quickly, uh, yesterday I received this is I don't know how many times I've got these push pulls. But this was yet the, the, at least the second or third time. And very quickly, uh, the question, first lead-off question was very clear that it was a push-pull because it was so slanted that, uh, I mean, it was sort of like, are you against, uh, if you, you know, it was all pro-conservative right-wing uh, choices, sort of God, Mom, you know, if you answer any of these things, uh, incorrectly, you would be, uh, except for, you know, you would be obviously a, um, you know, some sort of traitor. Uh, but I find it very interesting. This is the first time, with listening to what you said about the uh, the national input of money, this is the first election in the 30-some years my wife and I have lived in Bloomington that uh, we've seen that many uh, effort uh, to, from somebody's money, to uh, influence how we vote. But I, I was particularly amused by these push polls because they are so absurd. Um, so Did, anyhow, that's my observation. I, uh, I, yeah, I assume it didn't change your mind. <laughs> no, but it, it, it maybe is making me more convinced right. to, to vote, yeah. uh, but not vote for the people that are paying for the, you know, the, 
the swift boats for lunacy or whoever is <laughs> well, behind uh, the push ball. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you. Okay, Don, thanks a lot. All right, well, I want to talk about the sort of the, the tone of the campaign when we come back, but uh, right now it's time to take a break. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home office and garage, using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2 owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. And from South Dunn Street Project, represented by Brian Lappin Real Estate, classic bungalow-inspired architecture in the Bryan Park neighborhood of Bloomington, www.southdunnstreet.info. WFIU is a media sponsor for the annual Jill Berman Run for the End Zone. IU Recreational Sports has joined with the Bloomington community in organizing the annual 5K Run Walk, One Mile Fun Walk, and a free wellness fair. Proceeds benefit Jill's House and the Jill Berman Emerging Leader Scholarship. This year's race and wellness fair takes place on Saturday at the Mellencamp Pavilion. The free wellness fair begins at 9 and the race starts at 10 a.m. More information at wfiu.indiana.edu. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times in Bloomington. I have three co-hosts today, Chuck Harney from Chuck Harney from WTIU, the news director, John Harmon, the editor of the Columbus Republic, and Stephanie Salter, the assistant editor for opinion and commentary and a columnist at the Terre Haute Tribune Star. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area or you can send email to us at noon at indiana.edu. All right, let's talk about tone. Um, you know, we, I think we went into this election, at least I certainly did, thinking that this was going to be incredibly nasty, nasty, nasty election, na- nasty tone. Um, and I guess I would toss out this question. Is it worse than 04? Is it worse than we've seen before? Is it just more of the same or is it, even, is it maybe more civil than we've seen before? And Chuck, I'm going to start with you. Well, I, I have um, – I've resisted in the last few days. I've, I've seen uh, uh, Congressman Sodrell and uh, Baron Hill both personally in the last few days. And to each of them, I've, I've, I've stopped myself from walking up and, and saying to each of them, you know, I heard this commercial where I didn't know this, but you killed my cat. <laughs> you know, it, it, the, the – uh, the, Accusations that fly out. That I mean, the Foley ad from the Hill campaign takes about four steps to reach Foley and connect it with uh, with Mike Sodrell. Uh, and, and both of the the D Triple C and the R Triple C, they're they're both doing these to each other. And but they're doing them in all races. I uh, because uh, you know I'm kind of a geek. I have a, an antenna uh, on my television so I can pick up stations that are not on local cable. And I watch uh, some of the ads coming out of Kentucky. And the Ann Northup race down there is really interesting to watch with the uh, the, the ad that are coming out in that, and they're they're just as nasty, it, and it's it's being driven from the national level. So I don't think you can say that it's nastier than anywhere else. I don't think it's any nastier than 04. I think it's equally nasty. It's mm-hmm. uh, it it's not any worse than it's been before. And you know, here's what uh, everybody out there listening should know: the reason why these continue is they work. Uh, people do respond to them. That's why negative advertising continues. So until the voting block comes out and decides, you know, we're not paying attention to this and we're going to prove it somehow, um, it's it's going to continue. So, it, you know, here it is. You John, know, I, that, I, I think I'm, I'm with you up until that very last uh, conclusion, which I think that when you look at the at the participation at the polls over the last 20 years, I think people are are saying this isn't working. The bad part is they're going, and so I'm not voting because I don't care because you're all a whole big wall of negativity. I can't remember in my adult life uh, when it when it wasn't 
even down to the tiniest little race, it didn't start getting dirty, no matter what people say that they're going to do. But it's almost as though it's just this this runaway truck, and um, and both sides, no matter how nice they are, no matter how how much they pledge not to do it, they they get caught up in it. And I really do think that people are 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 responding by staying away from the polls. Well, except for the last presidential election, you had the highest turnout that we've had in many years so that but but go to the local the locals whatever and i mean that's everybody's wringing their hands what can we do to get people to participate in the democracy again well and and see here's the other problem and uh, this is my own you know cheap political science theory here but (laughs) but see if you as as a political strategy if you make if you get people frustrated enough where you make the pool of voters smaller you actually have a better chance of working on a smaller number, and the, then again, the negative advertising works because you've actually weeded out some people. So, you know, the, that's the problem. It works on many levels. That's a scary thought when you say, I mean, that's very patriotic to, uh, to hope that you, you get the pool so small yeah. that only yeah, two isn't people it, isn't can it great? get. Yeah. yeah. Okay, John? Well, I, I agree with most of what's been said. Uh, and the, to the caller, uh, I, I guess I'm kind of surprised that he was he hadn't seen that much uh negative advertising and people trying to bend bend their ear before the campaign because i've always it's always been there um this sodril hill thing was nasty the last time and the time before that this i think has uh has kicked it up uh it's 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 worse this time i have on on my desk a shot of a guy who weighs probably about 235 pounds, uh, big guy, big guy, and it's got uh, Baron Hill's head on top of it. <laughs> it's a, I, I know Baron Hill. Yeah. This ain't Baron Hill. Uh-huh. It just isn't. And, you know, it's just to make him look slovenly or, or, or unkempt, uh, he's, he's as neat as a pin, and the last time I saw him, I bet you he could do 100 in a decent time. Another one had Sodril with uh, out, out of a truck, and if and there's he's, there's a cigarette in his hand, and if you look real closely, it looks like that cigarette's kind of been put, you know, play, uh, photoshopped yeah. in there. And I'm saying, you know, come on, people. I mean, it's just the, the disgusting thing is that uh, Lee Hamilton had that uh, seat for you know 12, 40, whatever terms before that, going back into the 60s, uh, and and there wasn't. It's just really gone downhill yeah. as far as decorum, yeah. and I think the people of the ninth district are smarter than that. Uh, it's almost like an old civil war battle where you hear this thud, this thundering. There's a battle off there somewhere yeah. where we're in the ninth district, but the battle's being waged in Washington. You know, as you were talking about earlier, all these uh, allegations and linking them to San Francisco politics. Uh, it's it's ridiculous, and and unfortunately, they wouldn't be doing it unless it worked. Uh, okay. That's what that's what the sad. Well, or unless they really truly don't know what else to do, and it's a little bit like campaign spending reform. Everybody talks about it. Everybody says it needs to be done, and then when you know the rubber meets the road, and it's time to actually vote about it. Oh well, okay, nope, never mind. We're not we're not going to do anything radical that would uh, that would actually reform things. So sometimes I think a vacuum can go a long way uh, in uh, in keeping something that is a status quo. Well, sometimes, Diana, and this was said earlier too. It's a, a culmination of a lot of things built built over the years, and uh, I would like to have somebody explain how uh, Bob Garton was defeated by uh, you know a new new political person of. You know, same party, uh, boom, he's gone. Yeah, we all predicted that one, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, but we could have if we looked, would have looked up, uh, you know, checked Bortz out, and the same thing happened to him the previous mm-hmm. uh, election. But there, there are dynamics that are going on out there that uh, there could be some surprises. Well, and I, I, real quickly, I know we've got a, a couple of phone calls, but uh, my favorite photo of the entire campaign, you were mentioning the, the doctored photos. There's a photo, it's a freeze in one of the uh, Republican uh, Congressional Committee uh, ads of Baron Hill, and it actually looks like he has no teeth. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, uh, that is low. That yeah. is That's low. Despicable. All right, we're going to go to the phones. So we have two people waiting to talk to us. Uh, Joe is first. Joe? Hi. Um, you guys are talking about dirty campaigns. And one of the uh, dirtiest parts of the last Hill Sodro campaign was uh, 
the influence of 527 groups, unregulated money. Right. And um, I'd like to see if your guests have any thoughts about how those um, groups have and will play a part in this campaign, particularly the Bob Bob Perry, I think his name, the Texas real estate millionaire funding a the lot of these groups. Guy, the Swift Boat guy, right? Yeah, yeah. the Swift Boat guy. Well, I, let me just offer, I think one of the reasons that Baron Hill was so eager to get back in the race is because of the effect of the 527s and what he thought was really dirty campaigning. I think it made him angry. I think it's made his campaign a lot harder and tougher this year. Um, I think the I personally think the 527 law needs to be tightened up in some way because they're, you know, 527s are supposed to be able to, to ma- do message ads about, you know, issues and not be direct ads at, at uh, different individual politicians. And frankly, they just, they just are in some cases. Well, so. I, I went to a seminar in Chicago uh, on covering campaign finance uh, about a year ago, and it was really all about 527s. And we spent a couple of days kind of looking into the computer files. And, and, and by the way, you can go on the IRS website and look up a lot of this money directly. It's, it's actually pretty easy to do, also pretty overwhelming because of the numbers and, and the names. But I actually started on a story that I couldn't quite get anywhere with where I actually started calling phone numbers of people who had contributed to 527s. And there were people out in Greene County and and Vigo County that had contributed to these 527s that clearly, I don't know that they knew exactly where the money was going and what exactly it was doing. Now, 527 refers to an IRS regulation. Why in the world the Internal Revenue Service has anything to do with campaign finance is beyond me. And it seems to be uh, the, the message from the seminar was that it's almost an anomaly that it even happened that way. And I think that it's proven uh, a really big problem that's got to be changed somehow in, in the effort to uh, reform campaign finance. Mm-hmm. John, Stephanie, you know? No, no, I just think that that's, again, what you're talking about, how it's sort of easy to access, but then once you access it, you're you're overwhelmed by mm-hmm. the information, and we're expecting individual voters to be able to uh, to try to keep a, a, an eye on all of this stuff, along with all the other things that they that they need to know about to cast an intelligent vote. And I think then it's it becomes that just that paralysis that that sets in where you 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 just the voter assumes. Everybody's dirty. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's being bought off, um, and they have to talk themselves into why they why they care enough to go to the the polls. We did the same with the Garten uh, uh, defeat, trying to peg where the where the money was coming from, and there wasn't any great revelation. The same uh, insurance magnet up in uh, in Indy who uh, grub staked the. The campaign against boards, uh, and there was a, a uh, insure or a uh, an insurance, a uh, building trades thing, and it, there wasn't any great revelations as far as the state race. But now on on congressional, that'd be a whole whole different whole different issue. Yeah. All right, our phone numbers again: eight five five zero eight one one or eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight, or send your email to noon at indiana.edu. We have about fifteen minutes left to go in the program, and we're going to go right back to the phones and Robert. Robert, uh, yeah, I'm. I don't know whether I'm totally on the subject here or not, but uh, it's my observation that uh, voters. Uh, really can't make informed decisions because they don't have the information available in the media, meaning the press and TV, to make good decisions, and therefore they're easily swayed by these push-button issues. A case in point, if I may, just this week, Bush signed the uh, Military Commissions Act. It totally uh does away with the Constitution uh, in, to the extent of personal freedom. Habeas corpus is no longer dead. That should have been front page every newspaper in the country. Why? What's going on in all this? TV, same deal. We've got a sound bite and a print bite uh, press and people who cannot, unfortunately, uh, don't have the mental capacity anymore to to respond to much more than that. I get my news off the Internet from a whole lot of sources all over the world, and so I think I know a little more than I'd ever learned from local papers and press. Now I'll get off here and hear what you got to say about it. 
All right. You got a bunch of local press people here. So <laughs> we, we, we probably shouldn't spend a lot of time on this. So let me take the lead. And if anybody wants to jump in with a comment, you can. I mean, I think that I think your criticism is, is fair in a lot of ways. I think that we in the local media uh, bend over backwards to try to do local reporting. So when the president signs a bill, it's not going to go on the front pages of our newspapers. We hope that it gets in there. I had a conversation with someone in Bloomington this week about this very bill. And, you know, what we can do as local newspapers is try to go to, to resources in our communities to, t- to get reaction because I think we best serve, you know, we best serve our readers if we're talking about these issues through local voices as opposed to just running the national stories. So, you know, whether we will or not, I don't know. But we, if we were going to cover this, we might go to law school professors, constitutional experts, um, local political people and say – this bill was signed. Do you, do you think it's a good idea, a bad idea, or, or whatever? John? Uh, I would caution people against getting all their information off the Internet because uh, uh, whatever job we do, the, all the newspapers do go through an editing process. The wire material that we run goes through an editing process, and information has to be verified. Uh, it, it's not coming from a special interest group. Uh, it's to provide information. On the other hand, I would I would agree with the caller that there'll be some some year where you're you're going in and say you have a boat and you go to the go to get a license for it and it, it costs seventy five dollars more than last year and you say what what's this all about and it turns out it was some writer on a bill that was passed at the last minute and it's never never been mentioned nobody mm-hmm. knows and I. I, we've we've always had a problem with that. We rely largely, and this isn't to blame AP or UPI on it, but there'll there'll be significant developments that are of importance out here in our townships that might not register big, but they'll have repercussions statewide. And and a lot of times we we don't we don't pick up pick up on them. Uh, I mean, I think it's fair to say that Robert has a really good point and good criticism, but he should be I would say he should be a little bit cautious about where he's going for news, and he should figure out what we can provide for him. You know, for instance, and this is, you know, shameful, shameless political plug for us, you know, on Sunday we are going to focus on the issues in the in the ninth District race. And, you know, we've asked all the candidates to answer eight questions. They all have. We're going to write about it. We're going to post all their answers on the Internet, on well, our site. If I can throw something in really quickly. We had a, a man came in here a few years ago and said, well, you guys just don't ask the right questions to the school board. You know, the teacher's salary has a 4% stipulation on the turnover of the health insurance and all this complicated stuff. And he says, you just got to learn to ask the right questions. I says, wait a minute. We ask the questions that we feel are reflective of what the public wants to know and needs to know. It not, might not be your question but for the general interest. And that's basically our function is try to try to cover most of the bases that will help, help people make better decisions. Well, and I don't want to belabor it. All I want to <laughs> say is I, I, like, I like what he said, and I think, again, listen to it. That is his perception, and we all know that <clears throat> reader, reader perception sometimes is different from actual reality when we sit down and go through it. I know we cover a lot of these things, like he mentioned, which is a very important story, which, by the way, the New York Times had on – Page one, two days in a row. They certainly kept uh, at, in their their uh, role as they see themselves as a national newspaper. They had it on page one. They thought it was important. And I think papers our size, your size, we have to struggle all the time with: um, Does this belong in the national roundup, or does it belong on the front page? When in fact we have all been told that we are supposed to provide that local news because that's the one thing national media can't provide to people. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a balancing act that we don't always uh, carry off. Great. A great benefit to be able to talk about this, too. All right. We have two calls, though. We need to get back to the phone. So, Carol, go ahead. Um, hello. Yes. I'm not sure if this is on topic, but it certainly is a follow-up to what you've just been discussing. I was really kind of upset about the um, coverage when you invited the school board candidates to put a piece in the paper and one of them wasn't run supposedly because of space concerns and they were all very very short and really you know didn't have time room to be substantive um and in that same paper there were like eight pages of sports news and i think that just really sends a wrong message to especially to young people about what we value can you tell me Um, so i'm driving i'm going to get off the phone who are you who are you talking to which of the Which papers? Paper? Oops. 
Okay. Was me. Uh, well, we had we we did run answers. One of our school board candidates declined to participate. That's what happened. So if she's talking about the Herald Times, that's what happened. We didn't cut it for space considerations. Okay, let's go back to the phones. PJ. Hey, how you doing? Good. Enjoying PJ, the di- right? Yeah, PJ. enjoying the discussion. Yeah. Um, I, whenever I struggle with some of these issues, whether it's the war in Iraq or. Uh, false ad, ne- negative advertising, or, or, or I guess the, big, the bigger issues. The question I just keep coming back to is priorities, and what do we consider a priority in this country? And I think that it's something has shifted, and I'll direct this to in terms of the media. The priority is not that we have a media whose job it is to keep us informed and that it is that fourth estate, if you will, but that now we have a media whose job is to sell consumers to advertisers, basically. And uh, just, I know that there are people who are doing their best job at it, but there was a time when television news and newsprint media and radio had time to do longer stories and have foreign bureaus and do better coverage because it didn't matter if the news part of the media made a profit. Their role was to inform the populace. That has all been thrown out the window, and now it, it has really come down to the major, the big ownership of all the media outlets makes it so that the bottom line and providing profits to the stockholders is, is what's more important. And so now we have things that are so skewed one direction, and that is in the right, <laughs> that you can have a, a you know, fairly moderate and, and sometimes rather milquetoast sort of uh, uh, broadcast like NPR, which I think pretty much shoots down the middle, uh, at maybe a little bit of uh, an acknowledgement of the left, and that's considered super far left-wing journalism. And then you have, as we all know, Fox News and MSNBC, which can actually copyright a, a phrase like fair and balanced. I just, I, th- I would like someone to speak to the idea of the, uh, acknowledge the idea that maybe things aren't well, there's the left, and then there's the right, but as long as we stay down the middle, everything will be okay, because that's a sentiment I hear from people. I don't want the left to get control of things, because then it would be just as bad as it is now. Anyone with that opinion, I, I don't even know what to say to that person, except wake up. Yeah, I, I think we're going to have to be short with this answer, but I, I certainly want to take a crack of it. I mean, I, I love our listeners. Very insightful. I mean, it's a, it's a very good point, but I, I think it's, in my view, from where I come from, and I think uh, Stephanie, Chuck, and John come from a little bit cynical. I mean, I think that, you know, we have uh, – there, there is pressure for newspapers and television, broadcast television stations to make money. Uh, there is pressure for that because they are businesses. However, um, they're in newsrooms all across the country, certainly our newsroom and, and I'm sure Terre Haute and Columbus and – WTIU, our mission is to try to inform readers about what's going on the best way we can, but we, but we have targeted our approach to a more maybe narrow scope because we know that if we're going to succeed in this brave new world of media, we have to succeed with our local markets. So, you know, the ki- and the kind of news that we're presenting a lot of times is based on a whole lot of research that's been done about what readers really are interested in reading in our local newspapers. Bob, I have to, I, I, while I was listening to the caller, I have to say that my head was going up and down, up and down, up and down. I've been in this business a long time, and I think that, um, I think we are all still, uh, we are good of heart, and I think we are doing the best we can, but I've seen cutbacks, I've seen more conglomerates, more uh, larger profit margins, uh, uh, all of the, uh, how we answer competition with the internet, with more entertainment, uh, more, more tiny bites. And I think that, I think the business has changed. And I do think that, um, I still think that for what we cost, we're, we're the best digest and the best guide that most people can have, and they need to go from there because we don't have the resources anymore. Every, every network, every television station, and every newsroom has been cut back and cut back. We're doing 
we're doing at least as much, if not more, with less. And the bottom line is important. And I think that's why I often laugh when I hear about this liberal media conspiracy <laughs> and you stop and count on one hand who owns most of it. And I, their politics do not tend toward the left <laughs> and the liberal. Well, and let me make this quick observation. Uh, I started at a small-town radio station in northeast Arkansas uh, more than 20 years ago and was doing everything uh, news, sports, weather, you know, obituaries. I did them on the air. It was actually done. That's, now, were those paid obituaries? Uh, they were not. No, they were free. They, this was a public service of our station, and boy, was it scintillating radio. But uh, we did uh, – that, that station, my, it's in my hometown. My mom still lives there. I go back there. I have no idea – where the studios of that station are anymore. Now, this is a town of 7,000, so it would be easy to find. The point being that you can't do local radio like you used to do. It's very rare anymore. I mean, really, the NPR affiliates are, are the best examples of what is still being done on that level. Uh, it, there are Everybody is centralized in some place or another, and that has even gone to television news. There is a, 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 a the Sinclair Corporation actually has done a good portion of its local newscasts out of uh, the Maryland area for affiliates across the country, which is just uh, appalling. So it's, it's everything that you're talking about, and that, that's what does it. John, final comment on this? We're just trying to sell papers. <laughs> We're trying to be fair. Yep. Do the best we can. I, I wish we could do an investigative piece every week, yep. and I think that's what the caller would expect of us, and I, I wish we could deliver it, and we, we try our best. Last comment about uh, DJ. I, I, I just want to say... I think you're right on about NPR reporting. You know, some people, of course, would think it's very liberal, but I think I think that for national news reports, uh, of course, there are some great newspapers for national news reporting, but but NPR is a, a good place to go. We have one uh, one email uh, that I wanted to get in, and, and I I know some answer, but maybe you guys know more specifics. It says uh, it's from Plainfield. Thank you from Plainfield. But finding campaign contributions for national offices is fairly easy on the web, but is there an internet ac- accessible website for state candidates such as state reps and state senators. This is a new resident to Indiana. Uh, boy, one specific to Indiana, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I know that you can go uh, opensecrets.org. You can track some of these. Now, you guys may have better ideas. Well, I know that they do have to file campaign finance reports, and we usually carry them in our newspapers mm-hmm. at some point. Uh, but, John, Stephanie, do you know, is there a website? No, I've stumbled across things, um, you know, on my way to something else and bookmarked them. And then when we have a computer crash, I lose them all. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but I, I can't say off the top of my head. I wish I could. Anytime we run a campaign finance, we leave room the next day for corrections because there's always <laughs> another report, an amended report, a different report. Uh, yeah. It's so complicated. Um, I've uh, never perfected it. All right. Well, the information is available. We're just not sure where to tell you to get it right now, but keep watching our papers. And we are out of time. I want to thank Chuck Carney, John Harmon, and Stephanie Salter for being here with us today. For producer Catherine Hegeman and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times.